I didn't know really who I was kind of in the closet because I was trying to hide all these things and I think I wouldn't let my true personality out so that's been really cool to kind of, to kind of see that even though I'm like more of like a, a bit of a shy guy at times like have a lot more confidence than I did And welcome to episode 30 of the Outfield Podcast. Once again, another long break between episodes, and that is my fault. I apologize, but just in time for Pride Month. We're getting very close, obviously. We have an amazing show for you today. Uh, been having a bit of a baseball theme in some recent episodes. You'll remember Kieran Lovegrove, Brian Ruby, among others. And now we have another one. And I also get to do something I've never done on this show yet before. I get to talk about Maction. That is awesome. Always waited to do that. Uh, Brian Zapp, an infielder for Miami of Ohio Baseball. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Good. How are you? As I said, I am so excited. I get to have Maction jokes on this show. <laughs> Can't wait for them. Waited a long time for Maction jokes on this show because there's nothing that gets the blood going like Tuesday night football in two-thirds empty stadiums in Ohio. Yeah. That you can randomly bet on because you need to bet on something on Tuesday nights in November. I don't do that, but I know plenty of people that do. So do I. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised about that. You know, you, you go to a Mac school, you have to embrace the Maxion, right? It's 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 the way the world works. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun though, still. So even though there's not a lot of fans, sometimes it's still pretty intense. Do you go to those games? The Tuesday, Wednesday night games in November. Uh, usually, I have practice, so I can't I can't make those ones. But uh, I do do try to make it out to uh, some other sports and occasionally a football game on the weekend. I, I want to go to one, at least one Mac game on a Tuesday night in November, just to say I've done it. I'll, I also have to say that Maryland football has had quite a bit of interesting times against Mac teams, and I don't want to think about that. That was not Miami of Ohio. That was Bowling Green, but that's another story for another day. Uh, although I might end up talking about Maryland baseball in this show because they're doing really well right now. Anyway, your season just ended, and it's your first season with you fully out. So I want mm-hmm. to hear, how do you think that went for you? Uh, it was the best season, like enjoy, like how I enjoyed it. It was the best season of my life. Um, I didn't really need to worry about anything. And then um, after coming out, everyone was really super accepting. So I didn't have to worry about my teammates not accepting me or any opponents. Like that, none of that ever happened. So it was just kind of really nice to be able to just go out and enjoy the game. And how do you think, and we'll get more into this later, you think you played your best baseball of your life now that you're out? I, I think I think it was uh, less worries. I think I could have had a better, bit better season, but uh, it's always more things to work on for next year. Um, but in terms of worrying about things out of my control, this was by far the best season. That is what we want to hear, and that is what I hope everyone gets a chance to say after they come out, because life is much better, obviously, once you do so. Want to get a little bit, uh, for those of you who don't know Brian, I've gotten to know him over the last couple months after he came out uh, December last year. So for those of you who don't know much about you and haven't seen your story yet, tell everyone a little about where you're from, where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up in Waterloo, Ontario. It's about an hour away from Toronto. Um, Grew up playing a bunch of different sports and then uh, ended up focusing on baseball primarily and made my way down to Ohio to play at Miami University. I'm currently a junior there, uh, just finished up my junior season, and I'm a business major, so really enjoying it there. So 
of course, it's Ontario, it's Canada. How, why baseball? I mean, I understand that the Blue Jays are obviously very important. And, uh, you know, when the Blue Jays are good, my Twitter timeline explodes with a bunch of people all talking about the Blue Jays at once. But uh, what was it about baseball that uh, attracted you there? I don't know what it was at first. I mean, I was playing house league soccer when I was little, and uh, I can say I didn't really enjoy that. So I, I, don't, I don't know what I gravitate, gravitated to, but I really begged my mom to let me go out and play baseball. And then after my first season of house league, I just fell in love with it. And then obviously started following along with the Blue Jays and just absolutely loved it growing up. It's one of those sports where, you know, I think that, it's one of those where you can be more romantic about it. Like once you get in love with it, you don't, it doesn't go away. Like mm-hmm. you can interview, I've interviewed people from all different sports and I don't know what it is about baseball. It's just like the, it's not that people who don't play it and follow it don't love the sports they're involved in, but there's something about baseball that connects with people in a way that I don't see with other sports. And uh, I guess it must've been the same for you. Yeah, it was, for me, it was pretty much instant. My first season, I remember playing house league. I think it was grade two, and it, I just loved it right away and couldn't get enough of it. And so now about your family, uh, relatives, uh, Where what was your family life like? It was really good. Um, we were uh, very into sports. I just have one older brother, and he played uh, football primarily and also played uh basketball and volleyball and then I played baseball basketball and volleyball so we kept our parents extremely busy to say the least driving to stall our sporting events you kept them busy by not playing hockey that's a that's a rarity yeah me and my brother how many many people mentioned you like you're the one random Canadian family within a certain radius of Toronto that does not play hockey that's actually one of the things that people say to me at school in the states they'll ask me if I like hockey and I have to break their heart and say no well, Actually, that's okay. I mean, I, I consider the hockey it. team that's in your area. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can understand saying, nah, actually, I'm okay with not that. I mean, I mean I'm a was, huge hockey guy, and I don't skate either, so. I, I could skate. I did hockey fun, fundamentals for one year, but I really didn't like it. I think well, it was also partly think just because. Yeah, well, considering where you ended up, I can understand why you might not want to, uh, you know, be involved with hockey. Yeah, and I think every it was just everyone played it, too. It was just kind of wanted to do something different so every every single kid played hockey where I was so it's just didn't really like it didn't want to do something different so I I think that's a that's a good sign you know a sign that you're willing to rebel against common wisdom and what everyone mm-hmm. else is willing to do <laughs> and in and in Ontario that definitely means you know I'm not going to play hockey screw you yeah well as I said I, I'll make the joke a thousand times on this show and a thousand more times not surprised that somebody who ended up in the position you're in did not want to be involved in hockey. I think that's one of my favorite running jokes on the show is that hockey stinks. But anyway, uh, we'll continue on. And then for you, as you're growing up and you're knee deep into baseball, when do you start to think that you're different in terms of your sexuality and going through that, that process of figuring out who you are? Cause in your post on Instagram, you mentioned you struggled with this for eight years and we'll get into that, but at what point do you start recognizing that you're a little different? Um, I think it was around age 12. So it's honestly probably a little bit more than the eight years I've mentioned in the post. Um, that's when I started just kind of realizing that it's just a little bit different. You know, I didn't really understand it at the time. Um, 
and I got to understand it a lot more as I uh, got older. So I think it was more age 12 and then it just kind of grew from there. So what did you think? What did you feel at that point? And how did you kind of reconcile that? Because even if you don't fully understand at the youngest ages, I didn't fully understand. Most people didn't fully understand. You, you have a sense of something. And especially when you're in sports, that sense of something collides with what you're seeing in the world of sports because the world of sports is a very specific place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, at that age, everyone's kind of going through changes. And at school, you're, you're all talking about, like, your crush and all that. And I just kind of started to realize that uh, my crush wasn't always, you know, a girl. Sometimes, sometimes it was a guy, and I didn't really – it wasn't talked about, so I didn't and just kind of avoided that subject. And in baseball – it is not a sport that I would describe as particularly friendly to people like us. I wouldn't say it's openly hostile, although there were places where I guess you could describe it as openly hostile. I'm not sure what it was like for you, but how do you reconcile? How did you reconcile the two things? Because your love of baseball is so strong, obviously, but then these feelings, obviously they don't go away and you then have to start to reconcile the two and put the mm-hmm. two together and how did you do that as you're starting to understand both more? Well, I didn't really. I kind of suppressed the one so that I could hopefully just kind of forget about it and uh, achieve my goals in baseball. Um, and that actually, we talked about the love of baseball. That actually kind of drove me to a point where I hated baseball for my sophomore year um, because I just... I had suppressed this for so long. It was just eating me up. And the thought of going to the field every day, just or doing anything for that matter, was just, I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, so especially after coming out, I've kind of regained that, that love for the game as well. It's hard to have to sacrifice yourself in some way. Because when you think about it, you invested so much in baseball. and considering how much you invested and you had no idea what was going to happen if and when you came out and did you have any reasons I mean maybe it's just that when you're in the closet you I call a closeted brain you always consider what the worst case scenario is and you create scenarios in your head that are the worst case scenario or even worse than that did you have a sense as you're playing baseball in high school that this place might not be as welcoming to the real you. Did you hear language like that? Did you just, or was it just the culture that made you question it? Um, yeah, I mean, the culture in sports for, at least in my experience, any sport I've really played, that language is just kind of always there. Um, and it almost became just kind of normal. And uh, anytime you'd hear that, it, was, it would make you question whether you would ever be accepted. And again, like, I never thought that I would be able to be an out athlete and be accepted at any level. So the fact that I got there was really incredible for me. And I think that when you hear that language, particularly when you're younger, and you might have heard, do you have any idea of when you started hearing that or when your recollection of starting hearing that was? Uh, probably like maybe a little bit in middle school. And then it just kind of increased. 
um, later on in high school and especially in college. So you heard it a lot, even even when you were at Miami, or yeah, or I mean, was it... it would just kind of be in casual conversation, and I think um, it's just uh, kind of a part of the culture that a lot of people don't really realize the impact that it can have on someone who's struggling unknowingly around you and um i have noticed a huge difference since coming out like i haven't heard any sort of language from anyone on my team or around it so well that's what you would hope for because i think in most cases the culture is just a thing that has become second nature for people and they don't question it because they have no reason to they have mm-hmm. nothing that allows them to think from another perspective. It's just the world they're in. But exactly. it takes it takes the effort to, and not just the effort, but it takes knowing somebody. Because I think we all say in the end, there's there's someone on every, not every team, but there's someone you will know eventually that will be in this position. You know, vague general terms that, hey, you're going to be playing with somebody who is probably closeted right now. You have to assume that there's somebody and therefore adjust your behaviors accordingly. But that doesn't work because you can't just say to somebody, you know, do this for this reason when there isn't a face there. A face changes everything. Mm -hmm. And in your case, I think a face changed a lot for a bunch of people because at some point and I will we'll get to more of you know your the what happened when you came out after in a little bit but you when you look at it did people end up saying hey I'm sorry I said these things to you I can't believe I did that you know after you came out to them uh no one ever really said that um but, but could you tell were... they might have felt guilty in some yeah way? because because I think people um once I got back on campus and started going to practice they were um almost it felt like some people were like didn't want to say the wrong thing and they felt like they knew they had in the past so they were really trying to make a conscious effort to uh say the right things or not say something at all you know so i mean i think it opened a lot of people's eyes because they probably had never had to never known someone that was openly out in their lives before so they hadn't had to deal with that well the world of sports is very insular and because it's so insular, you find that then people come out like you, you might be the first person they've ever met. Certainly the first person they've ever met in the sport, you know, mm-hmm. whether, whether they knew somebody in their personal lives or not. And that, I think, becomes the, the you don't want to say the word chalk because that's not right, but they become, you know, their reference for this and how that has then you know, it changes their opinion because now they have that face. Yeah. And that's so important. Well, for you, obviously, it must have been a huge relief. But I think in just the end, it's it's one of those things where the culture becomes something that can be changed. Because when you're in that position and you're struggling for however long, eight plus years of dealing with this, you you wonder, can it actually be changed? And I think there were probably points where you said you thought you might have had to give up or you hated playing baseball. You did it kind of out of an obligation to your past self because of all that you had invested into it. 
but there's a point where you're just feeling at this at this stage that this this can't this isn't going to change and so the only person that's going to change is me and i'm gonna have to leave you know the the one person that actually can't change is the one that is forced to right and and i thought like if anyone had found out i would have to quit or i would have to leave i wouldn't do well from there um prior to coming out did you um, did you when you were going around not just playing in high school and you're going around doing all these tours but also when you're looking at colleges because at a point you know hey i can play at a higher level mm -hmm. is that something you're consciously thinking of like you're hyper aware obviously when you're in the closet of everything around you but are you looking at some of these schools and going okay this little thing here that's concerning or i don't know about this i don't know about this coach you know, is that something you were taking mental notes of when you were going through this? Because I don't think at that point when you're going and looking at colleges, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to come out, you know? Yeah. I mean, happen. in my mind, I was never coming out while I was playing. And I but really did you only... ever, but did you think about, because you knew you, you aren't going to change these things. You can't change this, obviously. But did you go yeah. around looking at these, these schools and these teams and going, okay, can I deal with this here? Because this coach might be a little bit more inflexible compared to another well i mean i didn't really go on many visits miami was my only real true visit um so i i did feel like it had a pretty good culture that i could deal with some of the stuff even if it was uh just minor you know um but i also uh wasn't sure about like if i were to come out what what the coach would think or other coaches in recruit in recruiting even if they would say they would be open to it, it almost feel like they wouldn't want the burden of having to deal with that in the locker room. If that makes sense. I, I think they, well, they're obviously the no distractions type, which has been a sports trope forever. Although I don't know how that's a distraction. I mean, I, I still don't understand that. Yeah, Maybe it's, it's because we're in that position, but I, I've never understood the distraction trope. I don't understand how someone's sexuality is a distraction. And it's not, there are a lot of straight but, people that are distractions. Mm-hmm. you know they just they just overthink it and think that potentially there could be issues in a locker room when it's not that's like a professional space like nothing should ever be happening like that in there so well i mean i think i've made the joke before that if you if you are in a situation like that and you're in the closet and i've joked with people about this before that really didn't understand this point and i know you obviously get this and everyone who's been in this position gets this but when you're in that position, you are desperately trying to not be attracted to anybody in that space. And even if you wanted to be, you're not going to be. Absolutely. You're, you're in there yeah. for survival. You're not in yeah. there to, you're not in there to find a guy. Leave alone the fact that as queer men, we know, do not ever, ever have a crush on a straight guy. It is the most worthless exercise ever. Mm-hmm. You know that full well. I think everybody knows that full well. So the idea that, that's a distraction just fundamentally misunderstands what the experience of a closeted and queer athlete is yeah but i also think that's because people don't really understand and they haven't really had like we said like for some of my teammates i'm sure is their first experience knowing that someone was out around them so they don't really think of that and then it's like stereotypes and all these things that get in their head without actually really knowing someone in that situation that kind of builds that idea for them 
they have they have their ideas they have a straw man essentially of what that is and mm-hmm. it's not actually what that is at all so i want to shift back to as you start to think about coming out and i've read obviously your your piece on instagram there was piece uh local to uh miami of ohio that documented some of your story a little bit and coming out i think for you as you did, said in in your story you're a very private person i think coming out for you was was tricky because as you did it, you didn't come out to many people, I think, before you went out and posted your thing on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, I had a circle of about 10 to 12 friends and family that knew. Uh, only two people at my school knew prior to me coming out. And then a lot of like friend, like friends at home or family members. So talk about getting to the point where you said, I have to do this and I need to come out to somebody. When was that? And what was the trigger for you saying, I'm going to do this? I'm going to take that first leap. Um, So I came up to my mom pretty much a year before I posted. And uh, that was during my sophomore year, right around Christmas time. And I was home for the break. And I had had a really rough fall mentally. And I was just kind of didn't have anyone to talk to or turn to because it was mostly sexuality based. So I think when I got home, I started talking to my mom and we were talking about different things. And I eventually decided to to write a note to her because for me, actually like telling her and dealing with my feelings live with her uh, was a little bit too much just for the first time coming out to someone. So I just wrote a note to her and just got it over with real quick. It's the hardest thing I, ever. It's, it's, it's really hard to actually just say it. Yeah. and Especially, it, especially the I, first time. Yeah, the first time was tough, and each time you come out and someone's accepting or someone in your that matters in your life is really accepting to you, it builds a lot more confidence for the next one. So this happened, obviously, what, 2020, fall, winter 2020, yeah. and you're home, obviously, for a large chunk of it because of the pandemic. Did you start to think about your sexuality more in a, but in a more you know, daily kind of way, because as, as I've learned in doing these stories where the athletes are in their routines, they're training, they're playing. That's a cycle. that's not broken. You're not thinking all that much about other things. And then whether it's an injury, whether it's in this case, the pandemic, then you don't have those routines anymore. And that's when those thoughts start to bubble up. Did this start to happen for you more because the pandemic was so isolating for so many people and obviously was for you too? I think the initial, um, like when the pandemic initially hit, season ended, I went home for five months. That really started to kind of like bring these thoughts to the forefront. And then there's my sophomore year that followed. And that's when, even though I was at school, it everything just kind of t- started to bubble. And because I was suppressing these thoughts and I was bringing it with me everywhere, everywhere it went, really. Like, I didn't, I couldn't go a day without thinking about this stuff or a practice without thinking about this stuff. So for sure, I think that it escalated at the start. So at this point, it wasn't something that I, you could compartmentalize anymore. And no. you just, it just became, and once it became an active thought in your brain every day, you just said, I got, you got sick of it and you just couldn't deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I would, I would, I would isolate myself. Like, I, I was struggling with depression because of it and I would go back to my room and just sit alone and not hang out with people and stuff like that. And when I got home, I just 
really had to kind of get it off my chest. So how did it go the first time when she reads the note? Um, yeah, I, I left it to her and I went to go get my mind off of it when I went to go play baseball. Um, but yeah, she, when uh, I saw her later, it was uh, kind of emotional, gave me a big hug. And I knew it would be like that because I, I knew both my parents would be super accepting. It was just getting to the point of actually telling them because mm-hmm. they were as accepting as I thought they would be. They were, they were fantastic with it. It's obviously difficult because even when you know they're going to be accepting, you know also that the way people think of you when you come out to them changes forever. Yeah. Because they think of you in a certain way before. They thought, you know, this is an athlete. This is a person who is supposed to be a certain way. And then you're not. But even in general, like when you come out, the way people see you changes. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is that change, that shift in how people perceive you that can be really difficult for people to grasp, especially in the early parts of you coming out in the early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't you don't want people to have that your sexuality be the first thing they think of when it comes to you. Like that's not more important than who you are as a person or your character, you know. And I think that's that was part of the worry for me. You definitely that, that get worried then about you being defined as not just a, a baseball player, but as a bisexual baseball player. Yeah. And more just defined as being bisexual, drop everything else. That's what I was worried about. Why was that for you? I don't know. Uh, I think it's just, it's not, it's not something that should matter. So I, I didn't want people to focus on something that I, I can't control and it's, it doesn't really matter. Who I am as a person matters a lot more, whether we're going to connect, whether it be like friendship or whatever. So, yeah, I, I really didn't think it would be a big deal. And I didn't think people should focus on that. Mm-hmm. So when we look at then you starting to come out to others and your teammates, what was that like for you and how that ended up pushing you? to eventually do this publicly what do you think it was like when you're starting to come out to not just friends family but eventually the the few you came out to at Miami before you came out publicly yeah I mean I wait so I waited another eight months to do to come out to the next person I came out to my dad in the fall and then right after that it was like I came out to my cousin my brother my best friend and a couple other family members and it was just all really like once I kind of told one person and it went really well it's like there's these other people in my life that mean a lot to me that I know it wouldn't change a single thing about them and I had more confidence now that I'd come out to a couple people so it's just kind of getting all this stuff on my chest to these people that play a huge role in my life how did those go were those easier were there any that were individually notable for a reaction or something that happened or how you did it um my, so my best friend He's also like my roommate and teammate. He was the first person I did it in person. So because I was at school, so I was telling my dad over the phone, uh, telling my cousin, I was texting him. And oh, so he you was texted the, him and came out to him through te- Wow. Yeah, I mean, we we're we're like me and my cousin are super close, and um, yeah, we were just talking and we were just talking about some stuff, and I just kind of went for it there, and then. Uh, an hour later, I went downstairs and 
was talking to my best friend and just kind of decided to go for it. And that was the first person I told in person. So that was a lot more emotional for someone who's not, at least at that time, very good with dealing with emotions and talking to people about them. So, And also the first person that you came out to in around baseball. Yeah. At that point. And so that had to also be another hurdle. Yeah, that was that was that was a little scary knowing that the next day we'd all be at the field together and i and i knew who, like we were really close and stuff so i knew it, deep down i knew it wouldn't change anything but it's also the worry of yeah you're going to the next the field the next day and we're both going to be around the whole team so and, and also i imagine the first thing you're thinking of when you go to the field well he knows and i re- at this point i don't want anybody else to know so you're yeah. actively looking at your team and you're going, well, he's the only one here that knows. Yeah. And you're already in all those thoughts from the past and your fears about what that's like are coming back to you mm-hmm. at that point. And that, again, that has to be really, really scary. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Was it as scary as you thought it was going to be? Because coming out to family and friends at home, and these are people who, again, baseball is one part of your life, but it's not the whole part of your life. Yeah, but baseball has been such a front-facing part of your life that it had to have been like bringing back some of those older fears for you in coming out to somebody in your sport, as opposed to just friends and family. Because you can live your life in some ways out at home, but closeted in a sport, Mm -hmm. because they're two separate worlds. Yeah, especially in two separate countries for me. So that would also make it a little bit, I guess. Not many people get to say, yeah, I get two separate lives in two separate countries. Yeah. Um, but honestly, um, I mean, I was worried for like, just in case who, who would know, but also um, me and my best friend, we had a, we have a really good relationship and I had the utmost trust in him that he wouldn't go out and tell someone. So I wasn't really too concerned that other people would know on the team before I told them. That always is a worry, but I think if you come out to the right people and you know you have the right people and it's not going to slip early. For sure. But it's obviously something you will worry about constantly because that is one of the biggest fears is you you should be able to dictate the terms if you're coming out to somebody. Somebody that you don't want to know shouldn't find out if at all. And and then the more people that you do tell, even though you're hopefully picking people that you really trust and that are meaningful in your life. But um, the more people that you do tell the higher risk it is that some it'll slip or someone else will say something. So I think once I kind of had a small group, I just kind of went for it, got it off my chest and just told everyone else. So what time uh, on a timeline, like when is this in terms of as before we get to December, when you came out publicly? So I think I told my dad, end of September and then end of October I started telling uh best friend cousin brother some other friends uh, yeah other family members as well and that's like end of October to November and then I came out right the, the day I had my final exam um right before I drove home in December I think it was a Friday so this accelerated pretty quickly then oh yeah yeah once it happens, you go downhill. And and I knew and I, I knew I was going to do it at thanks American Thanksgiving. So um, I'd gone home for that, and I had started to kind of get my ideas out of what I wanted the, the supposed to be about. 
So you, and you did that checks. post on your own as opposed to like you didn't did you get help from anybody or did you I, look at some of these coming out posts as inspiration for what you wanted to write because it's very very good uh and yeah. usually like for people like you I mean unless you're like me and you're a writer and you have that bug even I had to go over my story like four or five times before I got it right like yeah I I had I, I had about two weeks that I wrote it in I had about two weeks that I wrote it in and uh I also did uh talk to one guy on, on Instagram who had kind of gone gone through the process of that just to get his advice I mean and, and I ran it past my mom real quick and uh but yeah it was just kind of threw it together in two weeks you're doing it you post it and then you obviously you're driving home so you can't look at it mm-hmm. but what did it feel driving home and uh, this is out there in the world now and you're just you're there you don't know what the reaction is what are you thinking on that drive yeah so I, I drove about 20 minutes down the road to first of all kind of pluck up the courage to actually press post i had it all ready to go drove 20 minutes posted and then drove the rest of the way and my phone's connected to uh my car so i'm just getting all these text messages oh no i'm I'm not reading i'm not reading them but i'm just getting from teammates and friends and stuff like that i'm getting all these text messages and i ended up stopping um did you turn your gas and stuff i no, i kept it on and i kind of i got i stopped to get gas and i looked at this and i just saw overwhelming support from everyone it was pretty incredible and then the rest of the drive these messages were still trickling in but i i had a pretty good feeling that they'd still be pretty positive because of the initial ones that i saw i always tell people if you could redo it the one thing that i i did that was the best decision i made was turning my phone off during the middle of the day when when i came out because i said i don't want to think about this you know, there's going to be too many messages, too many things to respond to. I'm going to turn mm-hmm. my phone off and just turn my brain off. And you were driving. You had the easy way. You know, and you have to also drive over the border. So you have to do all of these things. And you could have just turned your phone. Hey, yeah, but I had music see. on. I, I, I had to, I, my phone was playing music. So I couldn't t- turn it off. Ah, uh, rookie mistake. You need satellite radio. Yeah, yeah. Maybe my my plug for satellite radio here. So that, that's how I could easily turn my phone off and doing that. So... I always like asking this question because nobody, when they come out, is prepared for how many people are going to talk to them and what the reaction is. They know it's going to be positive, but you never are able to fully grasp how positive it is and how many people are going to come and talk to you. Did you hear from anybody on the day you made your post on Instagram that you were surprised you heard from, whether it be somebody in your life or whether it be somebody that didn't know you until they saw that Instagram post? Um. Yeah, so a couple, so there's a couple people that just kind of like I hadn't talked to in a really long time, whether it be from playing baseball with them at a young age or or basketball or volleyball or whatever it was, or I went to school with them, but I probably hadn't talked to them in five plus years and seeing those people reach out and and say like how how cool it was to see that or how how meaningful it was, um, that was really cool for me, and also. Um, I mean, my coach uh, gave me a call at, when I was just getting close to the border. He called me, and that one was really cool, too, because you worry so much about, like, the impact on your athletic life. And for him to to call me and say how accepting he is and how proud he is of me was really impactful. And also just knowing that I, I got my coach in my corner, and he'll do anything to stand up for me now 
that's that was always one where you just like you don't in many ways you're worried more about the coach than the players because the coach decides who plays like he could say he's accepting but then you don't play and you're like uh, am i getting frozen out because of this and that obviously had to be a big relief did you hear from anybody else like just anybody you know like out athletes or anybody else just publicly privately that i I heard um from people in the coming days so the day i posted it was a lot of people that just kind of kind of followed me um but then i had an article written by out sports and that kind of opened up to a lot of people that i didn't know and that was really me cool. i had one of them yeah, probably exactly um yeah so i had people messaging me saying that it was really uh really cool to see that post and has impacted them and inspired them i had out athletes uh, texting me, I had closeted athletes texting me saying that it's inspired them, even if it weren't, what if, even if it didn't inspire them to come out that day or whatever, it has impacted them and made a difference in their lives. So that was the coolest part for me. It is obviously fun when you hear from other people who are just like, yeah, no, this is awesome. Yeah. And they've gone through it and you can, and you can join them, you know, mm-hmm. like it feels like you're joining a, an exclusive club in a way even yeah. if it's not, not how you want to view it but it feels like you've joined a group of people who stepped over the biggest hurdle in their life because this is what that is and you were able to finally do that and you get to kind of relax at that point I, I can't imagine that you know you're going home after that point and it's it's got to be one of the more relaxing trips you've ever made over the border now mm-hmm. that this is done yeah it was, it was more hit me when I got home it was like huge deep breath weight lifted off my shoulders i had kind of gone through all the messages and it was so overwhelmingly positive it was just i got home and it was such a great feeling i also saw something in one of the stories written about you recently that i wanted i want to dig into here you actually tried dating someone while you were still semi-closeted this past mm-hmm. fall yep how on earth did you even attempt to do something like that because I've heard of people who tried to uh, to date while semi closet. You're closeted at any level, you know. It's hard to date anybody. Like I don't know how that works. And yeah. how, and I want to get through that a little bit. Did you just want to do it just because you felt like you needed to see what it would be like to date a guy? Because it because I mean like there's this this urge we all have, but it's as competing urges of you're in the closet, but you also, you have the life to live and you have urges you need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was like, I kind of wanted to just go for it and, um, see where, see where it led me. And, um, at that point, like I said, I was struggling with some stuff. So I think I just, I needed that. I just kind of said, screw it. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. And, um, worst comes to worst obviously like I obviously didn't want this to happen but if someone to find out someone I think when you when you decide to enter a relationship you're like okay with the worst case scenario that someone does find out finally you know you don't want that to happen but it's you're also kind of taking that risk so at least that's how it was for me and did anybody find out because no I I uh I made so many efforts so that that wouldn't happen even in a small college town with 40 teammates always around so um, no one did find out how on earth did you pull that off that's that's I mean in many ways like 
keeping yourself, you know, from being outed is one thing, but that's when like nobody can tell outwardly, you know, but then you're walking around with a guy who you're actually dating. How did you do that? Uh, A lot of like uh, planning on what we're going to do, where we're going to meet and stuff like that. Um, Just kind of knowing where like, because I, I obviously know my schedule and it's very similar to my teammate's schedule. So knowing what where they're going to approximately be and just going as far away from them as possible. You, you have to understand if you're listening to this and you're straight and you don't understand what, you know, how somebody could go through all of this just to stay closeted. This is what being closeted in some fashion is like. At this point, as, as Brian had said, like you, you're out to your family or and close friends and and one or two teammates not, even not even. oh you not weren't even. even out to teammates yet uh i think about two or three weeks into that relationship was when i came out to my dad and that was the second person i ever told and then after so, that, after so that even, even more even more of this then yeah and then i told people i told uh I started telling other people after that relationship ended. So do you think that the relationship not going well because you're out to two people at that point, mm-hmm. do you think that was kind of the, the spark maybe then to come out to some people because you're like, I, I tried to do this relationship. It didn't work. And largely it didn't work because I'm not out to people yet. You know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a major driving point behind it because I realized that I wanted to. Um, you actually want to live like an act, like a human being who is. Yeah, I wanted to live. Wants I want to, to live. live. Yeah. And so, so. For sure, yeah. That was that was a huge driving force, and I just wanted to get it over with. So honestly, it was a month and a half after that, or not even, that I came out. So it just kind of all happened really fast. But I was I was ready to just get it over with. In some ways, like you use that relationship as. I mean, it's it sucks to even think of it like that, but you use the relationship in a way that kind of kickstarted the rest of the process. That's why you think it went so quickly there by the end, mm-hmm. because at that stage, you're like, okay, I tried this and it didn't work, but for the next one, I actually have to be out to do this and make this work properly. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I couldn't go through another trying to date someone another relationship in the closet and I wanted to have another relationship with someone at some point so the best way to do that was to come out it's the only way you can do it I mean thinking about it like again trying to hide other things you're doing while you're closeted is one thing (laughs) to hide a permanent relationship I can't I don't understand how people do that I get why they do it I understand why I've known people who you know tried doing dating while closeted and the mental hurdles you have to go through to do that and all the extra energy you have to expand just to keep it hidden from the people you don't want to know right and even when you're out with this person in public with no one you know around you you're still the the first thing on your mind is what if someone sees me that i know that could tell the rest was the the other person out i'm not gonna ask much more about this but was the other person out at this point ah okay so that made it even trickier yep I give you immense credit for trying that. <laughs> I, I that that takes some takes a constitution to be able to do that, and uh, somehow you got through it, and it ended up being a net positive. Oh yeah, it it, it helped me a lot um, in the long run. It kind of pushed me to 
finally come out and it's kind of what I needed to push me. So now ever since, how does it feel to be in some ways, not just an out athlete, but somebody who speaks publicly about it? I know this is the first podcast you've done, but you did a story uh, in around the school. So people Mm -hmm. obviously know, and you know, you, Brock McGillis, who I was going to try not to mention him on one show for one episode, and that didn't work. But he ended up speaking at Miami of Ohio, coincidentally, mm-hmm. and you met him and, and talked to him. So this is something that's becoming very front-facing in your life now. And what is it like for you going from being deeply closeted, deeply concerned about how people are going to perceive your sexuality and where this is heading to now being where you are? It's pretty amazing and surreal to to think about that it's only been six months since I came out and all this has, has come from it. And uh, like I said, the, some of the most meaningful things that came out of that from the initial responses were the people that I didn't know that I was impacting. I feel like I'm in a position that I can kind of speak about it so that other people can relate or be inspired by by my story and get the courage to um, live their life the way they choose to so that's the biggest part for me that's what I'm most grateful for from kind of these opportunities that I've received after coming out and you also think for you in the sport of baseball where the number of out people is just it's not very high it's not hockey but it's not very high and so you also if you wanted to have it inspiration you know people to look up to you didn't Mm -hmm. really have that and right. only the people that started coming out publicly happened, what, like September, October last mm-hmm. year? You know, yeah. I've interviewed Brian Ruby and Kieran Lovegrove, who at some point were going to be mentioned on this show, too. I've had them both on this show. I don't exactly remember when they're public coming out, but it was not that long ago. So even then, this is all happening very quickly. And in, in your case, I think to, to join that, it feels like, there is sort of a movement happening, you know, towards maybe this sport finally starting to, you know, get the, the representation it needs. I mean, there's Billy Bean, obviously, and yeah. there's other people out there, but there, it's different to have somebody playing right now right, or playing because... very recently that is your age and goes and went through something that you understand in modern baseball. And that's no offense to Billy Bean or Eric Braverman or any of these other amazing people that have done that. But it's, it's different when it's people who are around you and, and know what you're going through in a more personal way. Right. And when you're growing up, you see when you're watching guys on TV or guys in the College World Series, you want to if you're if you're aspiring to be them or be in their position, you want to see someone that's like you kind of thing. And when there's no one that's out, you, you kind of watching these guys like, yeah, it'd be really cool to be in their position. But at the back of your mind, it's like, well, I don't know if I could do that because of my sexuality. You don't see anyone like you on that TV. It's, it's one of those things that's brutal. And especially also in the back of your mind, you're knowing there's, there's not going to be anybody. You know, mm-hmm. you might want it, but there's not much, there's nothing you can do, obviously, to change it. And you also know deep down, yeah, there, there isn't going to be anybody. <laughs> They're yeah. not, they, it's not happening. And, so and it's also that leap for you. The only way to change that is by talking about it and coming out. So, and the only way you I could saw. change it was by doing it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And 
that's another one of those leaps that for people who are doing something that has not been done very often. And there, and there are a few of these people that I've interviewed on this show, people who are their first in a sport or relatively one of the first in a sport to do this. That, that also adds another dynamic to just how difficult it is because mm-hmm. you are actually going into uncharted territory in a way right. that, yeah, everybody coming out is difficult, but if you're coming out in sports after somebody has already done it at a sort of major level, it is a little easier. And in your case, you didn't really have that. Yeah. You and had honestly, a little bit of it, not a lot. At, at the time, I hadn't done any research on it. So So you didn't in, follow any of these stories, like Right. Didn't, I, I didn't know who Brian Ruby was or anyone like that who had come out how, even though it was very recent to to really close to when I did. I I didn't know about that. So did you me, not look like, up those stories because you felt well if I start looking up these stories, then somebody might find out in a roundabout way. Or I'm just I don't like I, I just, you were too in your own head that you just didn't even want to think about it. I just felt like I was alone and I didn't, I didn't hear about any of them. So I didn't look, I didn't feel like there was, you know, so I didn't even bother looking it up because I just felt like, I don't know. I I felt like alone in it and I didn't think there would be if I did. So it's, there's some people who are out there who are obviously hyper aware in that way. And there are other people who are hyper aware in the fact that they're going to look every single day to see if there's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it depends on who you are in that case as to as to how that's going to work out. And now for you, what now that it's now that you've, as I said, completed a season where you're out and there's nothing left to hide, you know, even if you're you were going to say this was the best baseball season just from pure you know numbers and pure mm-hmm. you know flash lines and whatnot. Now here you are. It had it as you said earlier, I think it was your favorite season because there's nothing to worry about anymore. You just played for the first time in your life, you just played baseball. And I was myself around my teammates at the field. Like I could actually enjoy practice and 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 find myself and be who I was, like personality wise, because I was hiding so much. Well, they knew a version of you, they didn't know the actual you. Yeah, exactly. And how did it, you know, how's it go along now with your teammates? Is it is it something that they talk about with you? Because I think one thing that also people who have never been in this position don't understand is we don't want anything different from mm-hmm. straight people. You just want to be treated exactly the same, just with a gender pronoun flipped at, at a time, you know? So for you, how, what did you notice in their behavior? I think you said the language kind of stopped, but did they joke about it with you? you know? uh, no, it, it was pretty much the same uh, interactions I would have normally with them. Obviously uh, they wouldn't use homophobic language or anything like that. Like I had said, but I mean, everything else was about the same. Like it took a few months to, to maybe if, if it was brought up, it would be an uncomfortable topic, but it wasn't something we talked about and it wasn't something that I felt needed to be talked about. It's just, we we're hanging out as a team, you know, I always find it interesting because I think when I, I you see stories of people who would act, you know, if you're dating someone and they would talk, you know, the same way they talk to any teammate who was dating a girl, 
you know, mm-hmm. and I hope you get that moment at some point, because that'll be a moment where I think you'll find that it'll be one of the more rewarding moments you have with your team, because then you'll yeah. realize nothing really has changed and mm-hmm. they'll, they, they treat you exactly the same. And that mm-hmm. is what in the end, every athlete who is queer wants. They yeah. just want to be treated the same as their straight teammates. And if you, again, you might not date anybody, but if you do, you know, I've seen stories where that happens and they talk about your partner in the same way they talk about anybody else's. And that is extremely rewarding. For sure. And yeah. now you have a chance to get to that, get to that mm-hmm. point. So, and I, and I think it takes a level of just kind of after you come out, it's not just like a switch, right? Um, there's also just, at least for me, just being comfortable having those conversations. So are you still uncomfortable with, in that way, having these conversations now that you're it, out? Or is it just something you're not ready for yet, do you think? It depends on the person. If I'm, if it's someone I'm close with, it's a lot easier for me to talk about that. But if it's someone I'm, you, even if we're decent friends, but like we're not like really, really tight, it feels like a little bit awkward or wrong to be talking about that with them when it 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 shouldn't be if they're talking about something with their relationships or who they're into it it should be just the same it's harder because i guess for you in your case because you were you you dealt with this for so long and even after you come out it still takes some time to unpack all of that Mm -hmm. yeah and you just kind of have to get used to it and gain confidence in talking about that so i mean all the conversations i've had with people about it have been really normal you know it's it's not weird or anything like that well i mean we i can make we can make it weird i mean there are plenty of things i could joke about that you could make it weird with people but yeah they might be too in you know Mm -hmm. you have to give straight people a chance to accept and understand some of it but they're not going to understand all of it all at once yeah Uh, i'm not going to think the best i think the best thing from that perspective is also just uh like I, i feel like some people would just avoid saying something because they wouldn't want to say the say the wrong thing but just asking asking about it if you ask a question hey what what if i say this is it kind of not right or something like that or how should i go about this for people asking me that i have like a lot of respect for you because you're trying to understand and trying to grow as a person have you also gotten what I would call dumb straight boy questions about this, you know, just from teammates who, again, it's not coming out of a place of ignorance or a place of, you know, mm-hmm. being a, you know, trying to be a smart aleck. It's because they actually genuinely want to know, like, what is this like? Cause they, they don't understand. Yeah. I haven't really gotten any of those from any teammates, at least not yet. So. Well, maybe they'll listen to this and then they'll start asking <laughs> because again, I think that that's not a bad thing when you get those questions, like I can laugh about it and we can, and you can laugh about it now because you've come out and there's more that people will learn about you from this, but also it shows that people are willing to, you know, because it it takes some courage for, I mean, not anywhere near the same level of courage, obviously, but it takes courage from your teammates and from straight people to actually come up and ask in not ignorance, but in the sense of, I don't know. It's very hard yeah. for people to admit they don't know, particularly in something like this that's very foreign to them. So yeah. again, it would be a sense of, again, not that they don't accept you now, but it'd be a very public facing 
way to you to say, yeah, no, I, I do accept you. And I'm comfortable with this in a way that I'll ask a question that might make me look a little bit stupid. Right. And it, show, it shows a lot about their character and, and willingness to, to grow and learn it in different capacities. So don't feel too bad, straight people, if you are going to ask a dumb straight boy question about what it is like to actually be bisexual. It's okay. You can ask it, and we're not going to look down on you for it. Well, I mean, again, it's hard because you you always think, like, well, what are they going to think about you? And then even when you come out, they say accept you. They just they still shy away from it. Right. It's it's like a touchy subject kind of thing. Eventually, one day, you'll get one of those questions, and you'll feel pretty good about it you know, the fact that they were willing to ask. Mm-hmm, for sure. So now that you're here, now that we, uh, you've gone, you've done a podcast, you've talked with people about this publicly, like, where do you want to go with this from here? Is this something you want to keep doing? You know, obviously you're going to still play. You got one more year left, but is this something you want to continue on with, you know, into the future? Because, you know, when you're an out athlete and even, well, after you're, you're done playing, it's still something you care about. Is this something you, you think you might want to go in, you know, think about in your future, playing a role and helping, you know, particularly baseball, you know? Yeah, 100% I do want to keep doing that. And I mean, uh, I've also just recently filmed a, like a feature for Pride Month. So I'm kind of excited mm, for that. I'm looking forward well. to that. Yes. So um, yeah, just being able to like, inspire and help other people who were in my situation and 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 make their time in the closet hopefully a lot easier uh because i know how difficult it can be and how lonely it can be so i I wanted to to help them and be someone that they can reach out to if need be you end up seeing yourself i mean i mentioned brock before and he comes around i don't know like people aren't going to be necessarily doing public speaking tours but it's it's something like you see yourself maybe saying hey i'll go to my you know a team in waterloo or in my area and going and speaking about this you know something like that like that's an impact you can have and a big impact because people will see your story and again they now have a face that they can associate with this as opposed to just generic person Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't see myself going to do huge public speaking and that being my career, but um, yeah, for sure, like teams and stuff like that, if if they would have me out, 100%, I would go and share my story and, and talk about how they can kind of change their cultures to make it more accepting and inclusive. So we'll start to wrap this up now, and this has been obviously a really wonderful conversation with someone who is, you know, going to do a lot for out athletes, particularly out athletes in baseball. What have you learned about yourself in this whole ordeal? You know, going from the lowest points to where you are now. What What have you learned about yourself you didn't know before? I've I've learned a lot, like personality wise. Um, I didn't know really who I was, kind of in the closet because I was trying to hide all these things, and I think I wouldn't let my true personality out. So that's been really cool to come to kind of see that, even though I'm like more of like a a bit of a shy guy at times like I have a lot more confidence than I did um just being out socially and stuff like that so that was really cool to see see the kind of like personal growth there well again you a shy person is able to you know come out of their shell only once they have a you know 
something that they can overcome to get to that point. But also for you, you're largely shy because if you're hiding a big secret and right. you don't yeah. have to hide a big secret anymore. Yeah. And I'm very, I'm very social with people I know, but like, I think I was, I was shy because I didn't want all these people to know this huge secret. So I don't really need to worry about that anymore. So I was able to kind of learn a lot about myself and who I want to be and my personality. So that was huge for me. And do you enjoy baseball again now? Because I imagine, as you said, you had a very complex, difficult relationship with the sport itself because Mm -hmm. of the fact that you were in the closet for so long. But now I imagine your relationship with baseball is a lot better. You feel like you can not only enjoy the sport again, but it feels like the part of you it did when you first got into baseball, you know? Right. Now, now it's back to being uh, just something you can enjoy, uh, escape, kind of like if, if school is stressful or something like that. It's an escape. You can go have fun with your friends and play, play baseball, whereas before it was kind of a love-hate relationship. I had put so much time and effort into getting to where I was, but I also, at the same time, hated every bit of it for a little bit of my life, and it didn't get – didn't um, – wasn't that escape so now kind of returning to just it being fun not having to worry and just being something to enjoy and escape the rest of you you know whatever is stressing you in your life whether it be school or work so now it's not escaping yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you can you can be who you are at the field and just have a good time and as we really wrap this up now, like just what, what's the biggest takeaway that you're going to give to somebody who's going to come to you, whether they've already done that, uh, whether they're going to after they listen to this or, you know, whether they see the feature you're doing for, for pride month, like what, what's the biggest takeaway that you're going to tell somebody in the closet, whether it be baseball or something else that what's the biggest lesson you learned about this whole process and every coming out process obviously is different, but Mm -hmm what is the biggest lesson you learned of just saying, how's the best way to get through this? And so they don't make the mistakes you made. Yeah. I mean, for one, talking to someone about it, like suppressing it, it's hard and it's really, really lonely. So being able to talk to someone, even if you're not comfortable being out, um, there are people like I messaged someone on Instagram that had recently gone through this and this community is so accepting and willing to help that, if you message someone randomly on social media, I, I'm sure they'll they'll help you kind of give you advice on if you're trying to come out or even if you're not trying to come out, but you're just struggling through a couple of things. They'll talk to you. They'll be there for you and they'll support you. And also um, understanding that in your head, everything is worst case scenario when you're in the closet. But uh, at least in my experience coming out, everyone's been really, really accepting and my life is so much better since. So it's definitely worth it. And even though it's a scary idea, I, th- I think once people are ready for it, you should definitely go for it. Talking about it is the best thing you can do because Absolutely. you need somebody. You need somebody who also understands the ins and outs of this. Yeah, you need somebody to. Yeah, you need somebody who can make the jokes and to make the comments that make you go, no, yeah, no. They, they, they get it. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that, you're not able. And I think sometimes for me, biggest lesson I've learned in seeing people after coming out and knowing people before they've come out, you know, the ability to make a joke 
about something that is so integral to your life, but also you can laugh about it and you can laugh mm-hmm. about those experiences. Yeah, that, that's a good feeling. For sure. And, yeah. and everyone knows if they've listened to this show, what that joke's going to be. It's, it's uh, eight letters starts with S second word starts with C and that's a good sign that we are now going to end this show because we've reached the point where we've jumped and I've jumped the shark a little bit every time I make a joke about that. Anyway, Brian, where can people find you? In the world uh, of social Instagram, media. Instagram, social media. It's just my name, Brian Zapp 13. Uh, so Instagram, Twitter, are the two best ways. And send a note. If you need something, if you need somebody Absolutely. to talk to. And you sure. can send it to me, obviously, as well. And we look forward to seeing the, the feature for you on Pride Month. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. It's all, of course, it's, you're actually able to talk about it. And it's your first Pride Month being mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That's, that's, a good, that's a good feeling. It's a fun Pretty feeling awesome. to be in that point. Thank you again, sure. Brian. We loved having you here and can't wait to see where you go next. Thank you for having me.